uh, I hear them talking in the streets, but they don't say the real. We really debating the industry and what the six of feel. Cold shoulders turn to open arms when you on for real. Ain't no strangers to the bricks. Now let's build something for real. It's too real, real, it's too real. Yo, what's up everybody, it's the 13th episode of It's Too Real, the podcast Hope everybody had a good week um, Shout out to my Americans, you know what I mean, happy belated Thanksgiving uh, My Canadians, hope y'all, y'all were blessed, you know what I mean The weather's been holding us down, it's December 1st, still ain't seen a drop of snow yet That's real, that's real good, you know um, Fuck man, I don't even know how to This week, um Ain't shit really been popping this week, but shout out to all the rappers that dropped the tape, you know. Yo Gotti dropped CM8. Rick Ross dropped the Renzel remixes. Lil Bibby dropped Free Crack 3. Uh, Fab dropped Summertime Shootout, you know, so. I, I didn't get caught up with all that. I can't even lie. There was so much shit that dropped. I didn't get caught up with everything, but um, I did fuck with the Fab shit. Download Lil Bibby shit. They didn't really get to it yet, but. Yeah, man. So you have a, you have a whole bunch of choices to go through. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, we got that. Fuck, real sad week for niggas like me. You know what I mean? Niggas born in the 90s. And niggas that late 80s, you know? It's finally Kobe Bryant. Decided to call it a quits. Um, fuck, man. It's, it's, it's just crazy, man. Like. If you know me personally, you know how I feel about Kobe. That's the greatest of all time. You know what I mean? That's how I feel. I feel he survived every era of basketball. You know what I mean? He caught Jordan in 96 when he came in, all the way up to 98. He caught Penny. He was there for Tim Duncan coming in, KG being there, like AI, Reggie, LeBron, Mel- like. He's seen Steph now. He got to play against the Durants and the Westbrooks. Like, I don't know, T-Mac, Vince. Like, there's guys that I feel Kobe seen that the the old era of basketball, which everybody gives mad love to, you know what I mean? To me, you know what I mean, when Jordan retired, I, I, I saw a couple games, you know what I mean, but he ain't do what – I ain't get to see him do what I seen Kobe do to niggas, you know what I mean? What I seen Kobe do to AI, what AI, AI did to Kobe. I always been a believer that – if you put those guys from the '80s against the niggas from now, they wouldn't. They couldn't. They couldn't last. You know what I mean? If these niggas seen Steph Curry, my God, they they wouldn't even understand what's going on. You know? If they see LeBron James, like, you know, it's certain things that obviously the game evolves, and they're gonna have their own way about it, thinking about it. But you know what I mean? The old niggas can't see them young niggas. That's my opinion, and I don't give a fuck how you feel. You know what I mean? If they had a machine that could make everybody play. Them niggas would get slapped out. But, um, yeah, it's just to say Kobe's retiring, man, and fuck, man. I, I Obviously, we always knew this was going to come, but I couldn't. I, I don't know how to think I'm not going to see Kobe play. But, honestly, I think I have to be honest as a big Kobe fan. It's definitely time. You know what I mean? Like, it's looking real bad for the God right now. He hasn't been his best. And, you know what I mean? He hasn't been his best. And... He just hasn't been Kobe, you know, and he's just out here playing. 
he ain't, he ain't playing like Kobe, you know what I mean? He's just jacking up shots, and he's not missing. He's not looking like Kobe. So it's like he doesn't have it no more. He's even He wrote a crazy poem, a real short poem, but it was, you know, heartfelt, you know, about his love for the game. He doesn't have the... He doesn't have the body to go on no more, you know what I mean? So it's just crazy to see the boy Kobe finally bow out, even though we knew it was coming. Man, he, it's been a hell of a career. Shout out to Kobe. You know what I mean? That's my guy. Um, fuck. What else been popping? Um, the Raptors, Raptors, Raptors been all right, man. The Raptors been okay, you know what I mean? Shout out to Kyle Lowry. DeMar DeRozan Raptors on a pretty good start right now, but... Ball season, ball season is is really taking off, man. As a as a, as I'm saying this right now, Lakers just got beat by the Philadelphia 76ers. It's crazy, man. Kobe's getting a standing ovation wherever he goes. He's actually coming out here December 7th to Toronto, and niggas hiked up the prices. Like, yo, it's crazy, but I get it. Um, the Golden State Warriors, though, 19 and 0. You know what I mean, like. Record-breaking stuff right here. So, and honestly, man, they're not gonna play San Antonio or OKC until the new year. So it's like these niggas could really go 33 and 0. It's it's crazy what what we're actually seeing. You know what I mean? I definitely, honestly, still believe the you know, only people that could take them out is OKC or the Cavs with with my boy Kyrie, Kyrie Irving back at full strength. You know, but. These niggas are on some shit, man. Trust me. The Golden State Warriors are balling. And it's like, you, if you're a team, you probably don't believe you can beat these niggas. They're the champs. They're just coming out gunning. Like, the shit Steph's doing is just not even cool. Like, this nigga's just jacking it up from 35. And just, it's it's de- it's depressing, you know what I mean? If you're on the other end of the court, you know what I mean? So, shout out to Golden State Warriors. You guys just got to do monumental stuff right now. Um... Fuck, man. We ain't really got much to say. It wasn't really much popping this week. Um, I just want to give a shout to everybody in Toronto, man. Keep your, he- keep your head up. You know what I mean? A lot of shit's been going on in the city. Um, yeah, man. That's that's about it. I'm going to leave y'all 10 seconds right now to hit the like button. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hope y'all hit that. Review and subscribe. I'm going to give you another five seconds if you're on iTunes because y'all niggas ain't doing it. You know what I mean? I don't be seeing the likes. So I need y'all to get on that. Um, shout out to my people in South Africa, man. Shout out to you, Sicky. Shout out to Free Boy. You know what I mean? Shout out to Friday. Um, yeah, man. It's, it's too real. The podcast, we won't get into this interview. Um, If you want to be a guest... You know, you already know again. Hit me up on the email or hit me up on Twitter. It's too real the podcast at gmail.com. It's too underscore real on Twitter. Um, once, oh yeah, I forgot. Yo, pray for Boosie. Boosie's, Boosie just got diagnosed with kidney cancer, I believe it is. You know what I mean? So keep Boosie in your prayers, man. Just, yo, just keep your head up, everybody, man. Just, yo, man, this life, this life can be gone any day. You know what I mean? So do what's right for you, man. Live for you. And don't live for nobody else. Just make sure you make the right decisions, man. And just, hey, just live this life to the fullest. Um, We're going to get into this interview, man. Hopefully you guys can learn something again from this. And you know what I mean? And this is somebody who has a story, hey, who overcame a lot. You know, mentally, physically, you know, emotionally. 
Um, so I just hope everybody can appreciate the story. And um, yeah, it's too real the podcast. Once again, like, subscribe. I ain't playing with that shit. You know what I mean? Get with it and tell a friend. Yeah, we're going to get into this, man. God bless. Everybody just keep positive, you know? Um, What's up, everybody? We got a special guest today. Um, This is a story, something that we we haven't had on the show yet, something that, something real, you know, a story real, something that from the city that we can relate to. Um, We have David Carrillo here today. Um, This is somebody that lived a lifestyle that people glorify. Um, Somebody lived a lifestyle that is dangerous, a lifestyle that, he can look back on it, you know, and, and just be grateful to God that he's still here. You know what I mean? Um, we have David Carrillo here. What's up, everybody? Um, um, David, like, what was Toronto like? Um, just give us a background on you, who you are, and, and what you've been through. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been through a lot since uh, I was a kid, I guess. Yeah, you know? like so. Okay, so let me just give everybody like how I I came in contact with David. Um, basically, um, I was just looking for somebody who who we could interview who has a crazy story, an interesting story, and um, and I just came across this article from the Globe and Mail, which was talking about a gangster who turned his life around, and he's from Toronto, and he was linked to like one of the most craziest gangs. You know, we can't really name it right now on the show or whatever, but we, he was linked to a very crazy gang which stretched outside of Canada. You know what I mean? So I was just like, whoa. This is going on inside our city. I don't know about it. Why don't we give a chance to tell everybody his story? And then I hit him up, and as a real dude as he is, he decided to come on the show and share his story with everybody. So, um, David, um, when what was the most like? Like, what was the first thing in your life that you feel that was that shaped who you are, who you are, and what you went through? Like, at least during your your times during your your darker days, I should say. My darker days? As yeah. a teenager or um, or as a young kid? Because, like I said, it started from young. Yeah, okay, you know what I mean? Yeah, from a young kid, you know what I mean? Um, I, lived a, I, I lived a life as a child that, you know, I don't wish any child would go through. Um, unfortunately, I got uh, sexually abused and molested at a very young age from two different people. Yeah. Um, it was an ongoing thing for actually years. Um, I didn't, obviously as a kid, you don't know how it's going to make an effect in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously it did. Uh, it just, um, it was like a poisonous thing that, that happened in my life. Mm-hmm. It really was. It, it, it hurt. It, uh, it became to a point where you almost think it's normal because that's how frequently and often mm-hmm. it happened. Um, sorry to cut you off. So, like, this because I read this was this was back in Ecuador, or it what, happened what? two places here in Canada. And okay, so yeah, can because in the article I read that when you moved, you came back here. You were like thirteen, right? So Something like yeah, yeah. So like, can you like, when, when did the when did the first sexual abuse happen, and and did you know it was wrong then? No, I was probably like three or four. Okay, and that was when you were in Ecuador or when you were here? here. Okay. Yeah, I was here before I moved to Ecuador. This is obviously we're not gonna name the person, but somebody that you like, family, somebody you kept like you. Someone that's close, yeah. Okay. So it was like it was uh, unfortunate, you know, that the the event that happened was several times. Um, 
but yeah I mean like I said I was young so you don't really know mm -hmm. how it's gonna affect you right mm -hmm. I moved to Ecuador when I was nine why why did you guys move uh, well my dad he he ended up getting an opportunity to open a business and work for the same company uh, but over there and okay uh, and still make a good amount of money that mm -hmm. he was making here so, are, you, are you from Ecuador or was yeah my, okay. my, my yeah. dad okay. and my mom so my dad took the uh, the opportunity obviously you know mm -hmm. for a better yeah uh, better pay yeah exactly home back pay, home yeah back home and we were well off really were and mm -hmm. uh, in that time though from basically almost the moment I got there till we moved back almost I was sexually abused for so like almost three four years straight. so do you know why this was happening like it was this something just like because obviously like did they like it's not like somebody said hey I was like the same people did the two people know each other yeah oh fuck man now nah, fuck <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah so so because I was really about to say like it's not like he got the call but, like like did they like did these two know what they were both doing like no no, they, it was not like, hey, let's tag team. It yeah. like that either, but they definitely know each other, you know? Uh, so do you know, like, obviously now that you're grown, looking back, do you know what that was about? Was it jealousy or envy towards your father? What, like, what is this? Like, what? Like, you I'll said honest, as soon as you I, got I, there, like, why did they even have the boldness to know that they could try that with you? And even nine years old, it's old enough to be like, hey, get the fuck off me, bro. Yeah. Like, this, this world, man, has been so corrupt lately and perverted that... Um, I guess to some people they think that it's it was okay to do this now uh, give them cr it's not credit but you know a little bit more understanding that these two people were in their teens when they did it like but still older yeah. kids to understand what they were doing yeah um, so it doesn't give them you know the uh, it, it was okay but for them no to do but it, regardless like you, you know? gotta understand like do you understand like like now, do you ever get a reason as to like what was wrong with them as to like why? Oh, I question myself all the time. Like all the time. Now that I'm older, I'm yeah, like, man, something must have happened to them, for them to lash out like that on others. I'm not saying maybe like molested or abused, mm -hmm. but something else could be but, that just damaged in their mind or what? just perverted, simply perverted. So. What do you remember? Like, like, I, like, I, I don't like. I don't understand. Like, you know, because I, I always read about this. I don't like. What? Do I, it's, it's, it's too real. The podcast, man. Like, yeah. what? What do you remember, man? Like, like, what? What? What does a teenager, grown person, like? No, not to, like trade, take you back to a bad place, but like, what does a grown person? You know what I mean? Do it like. I, you know what I mean? Like, I don't understand. Like, what are they doing? Just like jerking off in front of you or something? Like, what? Like, what? You couldn't tell your family. Like, your. Uh, your you know what? It's. Yeah, it was it was very like bold. Like I mean, it. I remember wrestling with the guy, like playing, and then next thing you know, the guy just makes a move on me, and you're like, "What?" Yeah. You question it, right? Mm -hmm. But you're like, "Hey," and then the one line that I mean, you've probably heard it a thousand times. Don't say anything, or else I'm gonna tell your parents. You know, this, yeah. this, this, or that. It's exactly what happened, bro. They're just really using kid games, blackmailing yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, it's pure blackmail. You know, they're not going to believe you. Yeah. You know, and if you do, I'm going to hurt you. You know, they're older. Yeah. So that fear came from. And there was just so many things that, that they would try to do and do, and they obviously get away with it because you're younger and you can't really move around. Um, but really? But, like, your, t your parents wouldn't, like, you're not bruised or nothing? Like, what, your parents? No, no, it wasn't, like, that kind of oh, abuse. Oh, okay. It was more, it was more molesting. Than okay, anything. yeah, no, they were just sick, wanted to touch. Okay, I get yeah. it, yeah. 
So there, it was yeah, just perverted sick mind. Yeah. You know. Um, but yeah, it. I never told my parents. I never told them until later on in life. Did you guys ever have a conversation with these guys? Like did these people, did they, did they ever own up to it to your face to know? I mean, I'll, I'll be real with you. After when I came back from Ecuador and I was like 13, 14, that's when I started getting involved in a gang life. Oh, yeah, the lifestyle, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't understand until later on in life that I fully aware that what happened to me in the past was... Um, was leading me to be who I was later mm-hmm. on in life, which was that aggression. I had that aggression. There was I needed I needed to release that anger somehow, mm-hmm. and I never did. I never could, or never say anything. So mm-hmm. my number one thing that I could rely on was punching someone in the face. Yeah, and it felt good. Yeah, that adrenaline rush. So you know, it it did make um, issues in my in my mind, and you know because. I couldn't pay attention in school, mm-hmm. uh, so psychologically, obviously, it, it made like it yeah. Bad. Like, can you explain that? You know, because uh, maybe some people listening who may not even you know, like when you say psychologically, what was that like? Because I could imagine, you know, what I mean, like I couldn't imagine, like so. It's just like, what are you telling? Because obviously, you're probably embarrassed to even say this to like anybody. You know, what I mean, like fuck, do I say this? Like, what like what's going through you like when you before you actually told anybody like you're you're down here and you came back from Ecuador you said so it stopped as soon as you left Ecuador yeah so I'm trying to say it's so up to like basically 12, 13 this person was still yeah he didn't care your size you were getting older your mind like he was just, just he's already had control of you right like, yeah well like I said it, after like a year you know I was like nine so by the time I was ten like I said you're mentally you're thinking this is normal yeah this, this is, is just whatever what my lifestyle this is what I gotta do you know. And, dude, if I had more fingers, I'm going to need, like, 100 people to be able to count all the fingers to tell you that's how many times it happened. Yeah. Like, yeah, I lost count. I don't know. Over a course of, like, you know, four years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have no idea, bro. So, you came back here in 13. Like, what was it, before you even get there, like, what was Ecuador like? What's the experience? What was that like? I mean, <clears throat> I wish I could have enjoyed it more in the sense, like, you know, being... Uh, a normal kid. Yeah, innocent, yeah, just you yeah, having like in in essence, Ecuador was putting that aside of what happened, mm-hmm. probably the best experience I had in my life. Yeah, it, it was fun, right? Um uh, not only fun but you got to really appreciate life. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to see a side of my family that I didn't really know how they they lived their life and you know, you like I said, you appreciate what you have. Um my dad, even though we had, you know, money we were well settled you know Mm -hmm. income my dad was the kind of person that you know would take us to certain places that were poor yeah so you can get that experience to see it yeah was your dad from that type of side or was yeah okay it's in my mom like they're educated now yeah yeah but yeah everybody yeah had to come from somewhere yeah and so my my dad would take us to sometimes this this little like restaurant that's on the street kind of thing and Mm -hmm. this old lady you know Farmer lady making some chicken and, and rice and potatoes yeah. and you know, had that experience. See, yeah, you know you see their nails are full of like dirt, <laughs> and that's what they're serving you yeah. with their raw with their hands. You mm-hmm. know they're serving you this stuff, and you're just like you know appreciate it. Like mm-hmm. it's the best food, first of all. Yeah, it you probably know? is when it's straight yeah. from the ground. Exactly. Roots, you know what I mean, so it's it was nice to experience that. You know, mm-hmm. we got to culture as well. Yeah. You know, I got to explore a lot of places from Ecuador, and I'm so grateful to my dad. My dad, you know, really helped taught us how to live a lifestyle over there mm-hmm. um, and still be rooted to being humble. Yeah, you know, which exactly. Is, which is really hard. On the downside, though, 
my dad being young and being over there with wealth we had two houses we had the maid you know, mm-hmm. we had cars and everything and everything yeah. we had you know uh, coming to the reason why we left was because there was a problem also with the economy over there but besides that you know my dad felt spiritually speaking that it was time for us to move and um maybe God had something different for us to, mm-hmm. our season in Ecuador was yeah, it's over, something yeah. new to happen mm-hmm. in, in, in Canada so we moved back uh, but like I said I was 13 I was used to asking my dad hey dad you know can I have you know some money for mm-hmm. my, my lunch and my dad would drop you know in currency and yeah exactly like, so I'll have a bunch of money yeah. you know yeah. go wild and I was like mm-hmm. hey thanks I all <laughs> my friends still have yeah. you know um, and when we came back we we didn't have money because my dad couldn't sell the properties you know mm-hmm. there were so many factors that were that was going on so when I asked my dad hey dad can I yeah you're accustomed to certain things yeah. even though it was a different place you're still a kid knowing that yeah. you, you've been used to having certain things now you're like I, I gotta get it on my own yeah so like I mean I would ask my dad hey dad can you buy me a, a burger mm-hmm. and my dad would be like yeah, I don't have money I'd yeah. be like haha yeah right mm-hmm. you're just, you just used to that yeah or something you know and my dad would say, no, I don't have... Dude, we left from having all that stuff in Ecuador to moving to so we'll just So, but basically, so when your dad left, you guys, he was working for the same company that was here. Was that company done when he guys came back or something? No, he ended up, like, opening his own business in Ecuador. Oh, Ecuador, and then... But still kind of, like, under their umbrella, mm-hmm. you know, so he would get all the, all the stuff there. Okay. But what happened was that when he moved back, he was a little bit older... He had a, like a twenty five percent disability thing. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, they didn't want to take him back. Yeah. You know, okay. It was that whole like you know what are you really gonna do, do for, for the us? company? Yeah, exactly. Um, even though he had the knowledge and everything, mm-hmm. so it was really hard for my dad to, to find a job. Okay. And for my mom as well, but um, but yeah, so we were living like in North York area, like Kill mm-hmm. Wilson. Yeah. Um, literally renting a little apartment, you know. A, three bedroom and it was five of us so me and my brother mm-hmm. were bunking you know and my yeah. sister in her own room and then my parents and my mom in their own room but imagine having a small little apartment coming from like this yeah from nice, where you were nice house like well, our houses were big too you know mm-hmm. they weren't like small little houses like here so it was uh, it definitely you know hit it hit a trigger in my mind and my brain thinking man I'm so accustomed to having all this stuff whatever I wanted I'd almost get mm-hmm. Um, I was in, I remember grade eight, you know, I started grade eight here and I would get bullied because I forgot the language. I forgot English. Mm-hmm. I would speak Spanish. I would, I would understand mm-hmm. English. But you don't know the word to say back. To say back. Mm-hmm. So it was really hard for me to speak back in, in English and I would get bullied a lot. Some people would ask me where I'm from. I'm like from Ecuador and they're like, oh, mm-hmm. you're from Africa. Like, what? Like, <laughs> yeah, like, like yeah, you know, know, ignorance. So yeah, but you know that you know you know that's you know how it is in, in middle school. The ignorance, yeah, yeah, yeah like it's just you know, or, yeah. or they thought I was you know, they thought I was native. They thought yeah, I was, okay, uh, Filipino. Yeah. yeah, I can actually see the native in you know, like, yeah, I can see I that. Yeah, to this day, bro. Uh, that's because like I have some trace of yeah. native back home, like so, Aztec, maybe something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Um, but yeah, man, I, I got the native skin, man. I can't grow anything here. <laughs> but yeah, like you know, so I, I would get bullied a lot. And then one day, man, I remember it was towards the end of the year. This is like eighth grade. Ninth? Eighth grade, mm-hmm. you know, I lashed out, man. I the, the next guy that bullied me, yo, he felt bad, and I'm pretty sure he he regret bullying yeah, me because he remembered you. <laughs> and I punched him right straight in the nose, busted his nose open, you know, 
Just one shot. Yeah. That's all it took. It was the first time actually lashing out. On anybody. On anyone. So that was everything. It yeah, it was everything that was... Everything, that was, all those 13 years that I've been holding, yeah. bro. I just, that guy just, just took it. <laughs> I was, I was, I remember I was wearing a white t-shirt, and bro, I had blood all over my, my t-shirt. Mm-hmm. And from the guy's nose. And then I started walking back. My brother, he's older, uh, he was in high school, so we would meet kind of halfway walking mm-hmm. home. And he saw my T-shirt, and he's like, "Yo, David, like, bloody." He's like, "What? What'd you do?" And I was like, "He, he deserved it." That's what yeah. I said. He's <laughs> like, "Yo, he took his shirt off and he made me put it on, so mm-hmm. you know, mom, dad wouldn't get pissed off or anything like that." And um, I just remember honestly that adrenaline rush of punching him, and it felt so good, and I needed to do it again. Yeah, you liked and it, eh? Like, I, I loved it. Like this, I punched I punched a couple people in the face for it, but I, it never. F- I, I like the way I can the way you're saying it. Like it, it really gave you a rush. I can see it in your like, face. I don't I have know. No idea. Like it was such an adrenaline rush that I wanted to do it again. And well, it's just I, like what, what did it feel like? Just like yeah, like so. Well, were like, you just angry all the time? Like it, like it, 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 at that point, yeah. After mm-hmm. after that, mm-hmm. I started feeling like I had rage inside of me that I had to let go, <laughs> and um, dude, it came to a cross like where. But this was almost towards the end of eighth grade, so mm-hmm. um, gotta understand. Like this guy that I hit too was like one of the bullies in the yeah. school, so I became very popular. Mm-hmm, and yeah. eight, everybody's like, "Yo, did you see how David hit the guy?" Yeah. Whatever. So when grade nine happened, you know, I already had this kind of fame, Rep- yeah, reputation, and fighter now. This guy, you know, and so. Um, my brother and I had a few friends. It's funny because every time I mention this, everybody laughs. I used to go to church. Yeah. And a couple of young people from the church, you know, they were a little bit older than me, and uh, they were going to the same high school. Mm-hmm. And these guys, you know, they were like, they're like kind of in and out of church. They're like, mm-hmm. I go to church, but at the same time, like I, I like to be this bully in the church, yeah, yeah. in school. Yeah. And uh, and so these guys started, you know, help, teaching me the ways of high school and mm-hmm. you know, like all those first steps and. I remember I got into my first fight in grade nine, and I, I I remember that adrenaline rush once again. And the guys from the church were behind me. And they're like, "Get him! Get yeah. him harder!" <laughs> yeah. Know? And dude, I I rocked that guy. I I knocked him out. You ever think of going in boxing? Like why why why? <laughs> you were just street no, fighting. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I cannot box. Oh, okay. Me. The okay. reason why is because I get too desperate and I'll start kicking. Yeah. You. If you just want to fight. You I just want to fight. I want to <laughs> kick you. You know, and it's funny because I would used to box with my brother. Mm-hmm. There, like, put gloves on. And he's, he's a good boxer. He had patience. Yeah. But I would just want to, like, rush him and, like, kick him. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, I know the... Um, I remember, like, fighting this guy. And the uh, I, once again, the commotion went to some people's ears mm-hmm. that I beat this guy. And uh, back then... <clears throat> We're talking 1993, around that time. Mm-hmm. It was very, like, with with each their own kind of thing. You, yeah. know, you had your blacks with your blacks, and mm-hmm. Latinos with yeah. Latinos, and whites Asian with Asian, yeah, whites with the whites, yeah. You know, it was very like that. Yeah, so crews, um, everybody had a crew. Yeah, everybody yeah. had their own crew. And so the older Latinos would be like, yo, you know, you might want to chill down. with us, with us mm-hmm. you know, chill with us a little bit. Okay, see now you, you you get you get busy, yeah. Yeah, so I was in grade nine, and that's how it all started. I started chilling with these guys, and it was I would remember, you know, walking in the hallway, 
and someone would just give me a bad stare. Wouldn't even say anything, but mm-hmm. just give me a bad stare. I would confront them right away, and I would want to slap them. Yeah. I'd be like, what are you looking at? Mm-hmm. And I'll try to slap them, and the guy would run away. And yeah. Like, yeah, it, that's that's how it was. Yeah. That's the anger I had in me, bro. It's ridiculous. Yeah. What would you go by back then? Just D, David? David. They called me Chino. They called me Gordo. They called me different things. Okay. Yeah. Um. So you said so that was like nineteen ninety three. What can you can you describe like what Toronto was like back then, nineteen ninety three, like the scene, like cause right now, like right now Toronto's a very violent place. It's very you know what I mean um obviously the cops are shutting down a lot of things. But like back here, see I, one thing about me, like I'm a person like uh all my favorite movies are from like that era of nineteen ninety three. One of your favorite movies from that era. Juice. Juice was a good movie too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, New Jack City. You know mm-hmm. things like that. Um, Blood in, Blood Out. Okay. You know well, what I mean? You named the you you just named the one movie that Blood in, Blood Out. Every Latino back in that. Yeah, movie. you know what I mean the Chicanos and yeah, yeah. exactly, it's everything. You know, so, Blood in, Blood Out. Media had a huge influence, bro, in those days, like, mm-hmm. because I think there were so many so many movies that came out that had that influence with the mm-hmm. Latino background. Mm-hmm. You had. Blood in, blood out. You had La Familia. You had um. For me, is that the one with the guy in the jail? He he was like he was like. No, that's uh, American Me. Okay, yeah, that one. No, that one. Familia was uh, the one with Jennifer Lopez, and I can't remember who else. Okay. Jimmy, whatever his name is. Um, but anyways, uh, so Dangerous Minds was another mm-hmm. one. So there's so many movies that came out, and it all had to do with the Chicano lifestyle. Yeah. That all of a sudden. It just blossomed in Toronto, the mm-hmm. same lifestyle. Yeah, because Toronto's a major city, you know what I mean? So it's like, but yeah. honestly, me, because I haven't really been here, you know, like all the time, you know, I, I moved to New Jersey and all that stuff. So back there, I, like Spanish people, like Latinos in America, like New Jersey, like New Brunswick, Franklin, where I was at, like they're heavy, you know what I mean? Like you see them Latin Kings and all those yeah. stuff, like whatever. But like out here, I don't really see it like that, no, you know what I mean? And this is one of the questions I was going to ask you is like, if you were to find, if you were to see one Latino right now mm-hmm. on the street, wearing his khaki pants mm-hmm. with his Nike Cortez shoes, yeah. right, with a plaid shirt buttoned up, only the one button in the mm-hmm. pocket, yeah, with his band, blue band yeah. hand up in his right pocket, yeah, right, and a bandana in his head and his Ray Bans, mm-hmm. right, would you laugh at it because be like, what is yeah, this guy I, doing here? Yeah, I'll be like, where is this Vato from? Like, yeah, I'm yeah. like, is this guy from LA? Like, like lost, yeah, it's right? like I wouldn't. I wouldn't recognize because I like literally like as you're telling me this. That's why I I, I, I want to hear how it is in 1990 because like I really don't see the Latino gangs and stuff like that out here because I like where I used to live. Like I know like yeah like yeah. there's a whole bunch of them. Like yeah. you know what I mean like they they do their thing. So it's like I don't really see the stamp out here like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, no man. Honestly, back then people like uh, we would dress like that. Yeah, we would all dress like that. The cholas, even the girls, man. Mm-hmm. You know, they had it all with their eyeliner all the way to, like, almost... Well, any, any lowriders out here? <laughs> there were a few, but they were illegal, so you can't really, yeah, okay. really show them out. But they definitely, man, they were, that's how that's how you could you could honestly see a guy and be like, okay, that guy's... So the, the, the cultural, like, Ameri- American Chicano, like, Latino lifestyle, like, it was... The way so, you see it in L.A. Yeah, it was how it was here? here. No, yeah. that, that's it. See, that's cool, you know what I mean? That's it what was I, influenced a lot. Yeah, see, like, that's what I, um, I want to know, like, how was Toronto like, like... Because obviously, you know the blacks. Like, was there like was there bloods and crips out here too? Like, oh, yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure, yeah. There's because areas, like, there's areas because yo, like Toronto, that you could not like cross over. Like, you know, if you're a crip, yeah. you can't go to a certain area. If you're a blood, you can't go to a certain area. It you ain't know? really like that right now. You know what I mean? Like, no, I mean, and even like there was a lot of turfs. 
gang mm-hmm. turfs, you know, like some areas that you couldn't go to, and mm-hmm. and if you did, you better like you know, yeah. thank God that you know you, you ain't never get <laughs> stabbed, you know, yeah. especially if they recognize you, and and it was very easy to be recognized, very mm-hmm. easy to recognize. Why so, is that? Um, I mean, if you were a real gangster, you would you would show your colors, mm-hmm. and that's how it was back then. You showed, you know, you were blood, you showed red, and mm-hmm. you showed blue. So, like, you, like the picture really painted because like I'm trying to because. It's to me like I'm seeing it just like I'm seeing it in the states because back then like before gangs were really cracked down on so you're saying every everybody was openly just showing it off like they yeah. were just, yeah and you, like, picture this like out as far as the Latinos go mm-hmm. you have the mentality of the Chicanos in L.A. Mm-hmm. and then with the blacks you have the mentality of seeing like you know Tupac and. Yeah, see, that's stuff like that. Like, so, like, because that, yeah, that culture influence, like, how was that? Like, yeah, like, how was that? And, like, I don't know anybody that was here to know. Like, how was the hip-hop culture? How was Toronto, like, in the 90s? How, like, the people go to the movies? Like, what was it? Like, like what was, like, the happening spots? Like, what was people doing for fun? it depends, you know, how, like, the situation where you live. But, like, I mean, I remember going to Sheridan Mall, Oh, those Jane, things are still open, yeah, okay. Jenna Wilson, sure. Was Square One around back then? Like, uh, yeah, it was. Okay. It was definitely there. I mean, I never came to these yeah. areas of the hood, but... Um, York, Yorkdale's I, around? Yorkdale, yeah. I used to go to Yorkdale a lot. Uh, Sheridan Mall used to have a theater inside, mm-hmm. and it was, on Tuesdays, it was $2. Yeah. You know? It was Tootie uh, Tuesdays. Yeah. Um, Or $2 Tuesdays, whatever it was, because I don't think Tootie's existed back then, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember... It was a good time to take a girl on a date. That's because <laughs> they had KFC downstairs. So you yeah, two dollar Tuesday yeah, and Plus movie. Two dollar movie. <laughs> they were $10. Well, so that was back around in the nineties too, eh? The KFC. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, that was one spot we used to hit a mm-hmm. lot on Tuesday nights, um, and we and you'd see like a crew, like mm-hmm. you know, forty, fifty guys, you know, yeah. Latino Chicanos just standing on the wall, you know. Yeah, just posted up. Posing, but there was those off times where all of a sudden you just see these black guys showing mm-hmm. up too. And you're just staring down like one yeah. another. And you're yeah, just staring, so like, like okay, it's about to happen. So it's, it's like to that's what I'm trying to say. So it, it so Toronto really had that gang culture like oh, in the nineties, like because like now it's just like you know everybody's their blocks, their blocks. But like the way you're painting it to me is like because obviously like the story that I read in Globe and Mail, like you have ties to like a, a gang that's worldwide and whatever. But it's like you don't really see organized crime no more, you know, like it is now, like, where people are saying, all right, this guy's the boss of this, or he's, like, the five-star general, and he's, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, what's, like, in the 90s like that, so it's, like, you were in high school, and, like, you said ninth grade, tenth grade, like, mm-hmm. so when did you officially get, because I read in the story you got jumped in, you know what I mean? You did the whole... Yeah, they, everybody got jumped in and that like, point, so, right? Yeah. So it's, honestly, it was... We, we started with a couple friends of, with a couple friends of mine, we, we started a gang, and uh, back in like ninety four, mm-hmm. it was honestly it was it was very. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's we didn't mean any harm. Yeah, we just wanted to get recognized. Mm-hmm. We're young, stupid. You know, we just thought you know we'd just go around walking around as a crew. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, one fight here, two fights there, and a few things here, and then people started like wanting to join in. Yeah, and next thing you know, bro, that gang just grew more and more and more and it's extended to different high schools like we're yeah. talking like you know in the, in the region alone like North York area mm-hmm. like we started getting a lot of people from different high schools from being five of us we were like 50 by like probably a year would you guys recognize each other I'm saying like when you like like gangs like that people just joining but would you guys know like alright this guy is part of us how? well there was one point where I remember I left uh, 
I left the country. Well, I was doing really bad, and you know, I wasn't doing so good in life. And my mm-hmm. dad was kind of being a little scared, so he took me. I ended up flying out with him. I went to, back to Ecuador to mm-hmm. for a month or so. Uh, when I came back, um, in in that short time, there was people that joined the crew that I didn't even know. <laughs> and not only that, but it, we extended even further all the way to Mississauga and yeah. Scarborough. You know, mm-hmm. people that were part of this gang, and they're like, I remember one time, this guy introduced me to, like a friend of mine introduced me to this guy. He goes, yo, this is also, he's from Mississauga. He's part mm-hmm. of the crew, too. Yeah. I'm like, yo, we reached Mississauga? Like, yeah. What the heck is going on, you know? So, yeah, there's times I, I didn't recognize. But mm-hmm. for the most part, yeah, I recognize most of the people. A question too. that I've always wanted to know, like... What was Toronto like when crack hit? Like, well, I think crack's been around from no, it, my time. No, because but like it came in the late eighties. Like that's when like from like all like the movies and research and things that I've seen. Like, like what? Like, I think crack came way before that. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, I have friends with their like their dads, and I had stories with them. They they arrived to to Toronto like mid seventies, mm-hmm. and back then they were already moving cocaine a lot. So yeah. wherever cocaine is, crack is, mm-hmm. because it's one one yeah. hand with another, right? So I think crack already existed back then. Was it exposed as much as it was in the eighties? Probably not. It had already been cleaned up a bit. It had been cleaned up a bit, but yeah, it definitely was around. Um, when I started, I was you gotta understand, I was like nineteen ninety four. I was probably like fifteen. So um, no, cause I just want to know like the. Because, like, everything I've always heard, like, in the 80s, like, when it first came, like, because, you know, people would do heroin, they would do coke, but, like, this, like, took people back, you know what I mean? Like, it was something that really turned people into zombies, you know what yeah. I mean? So it's like, yeah. did you see, like, how people changed is what I'm trying to see, like, like, because I don't know what, I know you're saying when coke was, but I remember, like, specifically, I like, I've read a lot of shit, and they say, like, it literally came in like the late 80s is when like they actually started like people started the actual rock you know what I yeah, mean yeah. And, and that's when people couldn't handle it like so I just wanted to know like how Toronto's yeah they, I think it, I think at that time people didn't they misused crack they didn't mm-hmm. really know how to yeah how they, to party it. drug yeah, yeah like, you know so they would over over smoke it mm-hmm. uh, smoking crack was a huge thing back then mm-hmm. um, even like when I when I was in high school you, you would hear about it a lot yeah. people doing crack in high school. In high school, there there were some people that would do it, but it was usually white people. Yeah, know, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Well, the usual. Yeah. You know what I mean, <laughs> I, I'm, it's not stereotyping, but it was just it's yeah. the truth. You know. Um, Shout out to Charlie. Yeah. So they had that, and then they had um, cocaine was around as well, mm-hmm. but the new drugs that was like the ecstasy. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, those uh, the, around nine. Liquid G. Those kind of things, man, were the things that was like really hitting uh, crystal meth. Oh yeah, that's the most dangerous. Like, well, yeah. Acid was with huge cartoon acid. What's, what's that about acid? Acid was just a little strip, like you know how those little mint strips that you put in your mm-hmm. tongue. It's same, same thing. You put it in your in your mouth, let it dissolve, and it just makes you hallucinate so many things. It's yeah. like your trip out, bro. It's like taking a whole bunch of mushrooms, you know that. Mm-hmm, that yeah, hallucination. hallucination. So. But yeah, liquid G was a huge thing. Liquid G is basically liquid ecstasy, you know, compressed into times a hundred. You mm-hmm. know, so you take like a little. They'll put it into like a, a water bottle, you know, mm-hmm. and then they'll put it a little bit into the the cap of the bottle, take a shot of it, mm-hmm. and that all of a sudden just same thing. The effect yeah. of it, like the highest ridiculous. It's like you tried that before? Oh yeah. Oh okay. Yeah, it, oh. Ma- it makes you hallucinate to a little extent. 
but it just makes you feel numb and you don't know what's really going on around you. Um, what was it like getting jumped in? I read that like these guys are some big ass guys from Cali. Yeah, you know I mean, like, why yeah, did you? Just... Here's the thing. That's the one thing I always wanted, like the gang thing. Like everybody know, like unless you're like you're some like official blessed person, like you don't get jumped in. Like, well, why I is it? Say, I didn't get that bad. I mean, mm -hmm. not bad, but man, the guys after me. Yeah, I feel sorry for them because they they got it the worst. Because the more people got jumped in, the more yeah. people were well, gonna jump, jump here. You, yeah, right. So these uh, these cats that got jumped in like after me, man. I remember one guy, um, man, he got hit so hard in his face and everything, man. I remember I, the story about him going home to his mom and his mom like was, this is not my son, like yeah. there's no way, because his face was just destroyed, mm -hmm. you know. And and I felt bad, you know, yeah. at, at the moment after mm -hmm. doing it, not so yeah. much because it's part of the yeah, thing, it works, right? yeah. And I remember the countings, like you know. Count you one in. with the, the end of the gang, right? It's not even like one. It's like one yeah. Mississippi. Yeah. One, so yeah, it's I know. Really want to. Like, yeah, like, there's no like real pattern. So it's like one. And the moment that you try to like uh, react or counterattack to mm -hmm. the person, they'll go back to one. Oh, you, you gotta just take the beating. You have you gotta take it. So you could be at twelve, and then you start something, and then you're like one. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, what, what, why does that feel worth it? To get your ass whooped, like for for the guys that were in the gang, mm -hmm. it shows us that you can. No, you're down. No, you can take it. No, for sure. But it's like, what it. makes you want to take that ass whooping to get down? Nobody wants to take that, but you really want to be get in the down. Gang. Okay, so you saw benefits at that time. You saw you benefits of being this guy. Benefits. You see, you know, you understand that we were we were part of a gang already, but we were mixing. Uh, with another gang. So yeah, which is a much larger gang. gang. So, so how'd you guys even link up with from guys from Cali? Like, that's... And that's that's the home of gangs. Yeah, it was it was through one of the persons that was already in the gang. From Toronto out here? Yeah, he was already in the gang and his family member was in it. So, you know, that's how we got the link up. Honestly, it was just the perks of it, you know? The yeah, that name, the meaning, yeah. You know, part of this gang or not only that, but you, the respect... Um, that goes along with it. A power trip. There's mm -hmm. so many factors that can come. Um, why? So that what? So that was like grade ten, grade nine. You were in there, right? Oh, yeah, like grade ten, eleven. Yeah. Grade ten. So like that's when you started hustling and stuff, right? Grade ten started hustling. I remember I first started hustling weed. Mm -hmm. First time, you know, I was already. What, what was the weed like back then? It was, it was garbage, eh? Nah, man. I honestly, I have not. I'll tell you one thing. There was this one Jamaican guy. Uh, that I was a friend friends with he was like one of the coolest Jamaican guys I've ever met yeah. in high school mm -hmm. and really down to earth you know didn't really side, saw any sides between like yeah. races or anything yeah. he just liked to smoke up his herb yeah. <laughs> uh, you know he's very peaceful yeah. in that sense but I remember the first time I was smoking up outside in high school and this, I met this guy and this guy um, goes up to me what do you smoke and I'm like I'm just smoking some hydro you know mm -hmm. Kajo was everything everybody used to smoke. He yeah. goes, man, he goes, that, that sounds for weaklings, man. You gotta smoke yeah. some of what, what I got. Yeah. And I'm like, well, what are you smoking? He's like, I got some cess. Mm -hmm. It was the first time trying cess, and it's that a lot of Jamaicans smoke yeah, yeah. that, you know? Yeah. And then he was like, but I got the best cess. And I was like, what is it? He goes, I got chocolate cess. I was like, oh, it sounds very, very good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? I wanna try some of this chocolate cess that you speak about. And so I tried it, and I remember myself, I couldn't take it because it tripped me. That didn't trip me out. It just mellows you out to the point where you just want to go to sleep, yeah. you know? Uh, and uh, But, yeah, it was. I've never tried anything like that, you know, ever since. You know, I stopped doing that a long time ago, but 
you know, I haven't tried anything like that. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it was very different. I think a lot of the stuff that comes out now is very, like, chemicals are put into it mm-hmm. you know, to have that yeah, you know, effect, reaction yeah. or effect that you, you get, you know. But, yeah, I started selling that uh, weed at a young age, you know, a dime here, a couple of dimes there, mm-hmm. and more and more, obviously. And uh, it wasn't late after where I got introduced to cocaine, and uh, I saw the... The, the the possibilities of making more money yeah that. obviously yeah it, it, it definitely so that was still in high school that, that, that was high school yeah so like how did you how do you manage being in high school with a pager trying to still serve these fiends and like you know like how yeah, did man, people come to you it was coming to high school <laughs> people come from different high schools would come to you yeah or oh, even young people that, oh yeah, oh, yeah, uh, yeah 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 true yeah, true yeah. true but you know you you still hustle the street at night like I go yeah. out at night sometimes and you know my parents were really fond of me leaving at the house but there was moments that I just do my little escapes yeah. and you know make some money on the side um, easily racking up like a good <clears throat> you could even easily do a, a grand a week imagine you're 50, 60 mm-hmm. years old yeah. a grand a week yeah. you know, whatever so it's it, the, the clientele was there that's mm-hmm. for sure you know you yeah. have to know where mm-hmm. uh, but most of the guys you know, they already knew if you had or not, and, and if you did, they'll be custom like a regular customer. customer yeah, yeah. You know? So yeah, I'd rock two pagers. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad to this day still makes still makes fun of me because he knew. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. Was dumb. Yeah. And he's like, "Why do you have two pagers for?" Mm-hmm. You know, and and I try to like. So like, what as far as the um, like where like was you as you was it as. A, you guys were getting all your drugs as an organization, or were like you guys were just you were just yeah, fi- everyone, everyone on his own find their own, eh? Yeah, find their own. Yeah. So you just had to find your own link around the way and yeah. just. I remember meeting, <clears throat> excuse me. I remember meeting this guy from Colombia, and he was linked somehow. I think it was his family member with the Colombian mafia, mm-hmm. and this guy started, you know, giving me, showing me stuff. Mm-hmm. And I remember trying once or twice cocaine mm-hmm. at that age. Yeah. You know, so I knew what it was like. Oh, you knew it was good stuff. Yeah, I knew what, what was good and what wasn't. Yeah, also. yeah. <laughs> so when this guy made me, you know, he's like, "Oh, you know, this is my friend. You know, his name's David, and you know, he's mm-hmm. he also sells." And he's like, "Well, what do you sell?" And I was like, "Well, I sell this." And he's like, "That's garbage." He didn't even try it. Yeah. He looked at it. He's like, "Yeah, that's garbage." He he's gave like, try a little bit of this. It's a one. And I remember sniffing that, and it just. My my brain went to the roof. Like I couldn't. It was it was real pure good stuff. Yeah, my leg was twitching. (laughs) You name it. Like bro, I couldn't contain myself with one sniff. I was like, yeah, if my clientele. And that was the plug. For after that, you you're like, I gotta get first. Sell this. Yeah. My clientele will come back every like four hours. And and it did. It did. Legit did. Like you know, it was ridiculous the amount. Like you know the how many times the people would come back for it. Mm-hmm. Over and over, and then I started thinking about other things. Yo, if you know, if I chop it, break it down, break yeah, it yeah, down yeah, with like some some other stuff, mm-hmm. then yeah, you can more, more money, yeah. So that's exactly what I started doing. It yeah. was still, even though like I broke it down, it was still more pure. Yeah, than what everybody else, yeah, else. exactly. You get from the color, hey, straight from Colombia, hey. Yo, it was crazy, <laughs> bro. It was crazy. So, I mean, and unfortunately, I started, you know. Consuming a lot. You started using it, yeah. Yeah. Because it was that. It was. It was just that. Was that that good? It it was was that good and that that. um, It was just available too. Oh, you had so much of it. Yeah. So was it like you just had to? 
basically you're selling and you're just like like how do you because was there any like did anybody ever advise you not to do that the gang or was there like anybody ever telling you oh, we don't do that like or like <clears throat> no they oh, know, oh they promote oh yes yeah, yeah true okay you yeah it makes you wild yeah 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 you know so no, it's no I'm not talking about selling I'm talking about using actually oh the use part it's like did you did it affect your behavior Will you make it more angry know, it, didn't, it didn't affect my my behavior at all uh, fortunately but you know. But people didn't knew that I was I was mm-hmm. consuming it, you know, especially at a young age. Uh, there was one or two guys that'd be like, "Hey, you know, just mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah." I did like, read you was going, going hard, yeah, like going, three, four grams hard. a day, like yeah. Eventually, though, I got to that point where I was taking like two grams, you know, yeah. a day. So it's just like easy. Just you just so you're just selling it, just like yeah. so, I had problems with my nose, like my nose would constantly bleed because yeah. I, I I made damage on my on my vessels and my nose mm-hmm. and. Um, I remember my mom, my dad, like they would take me to the doctor, and they. Out, and you don't want to get the drug test. You don't want to get no, the blood. You no, don't. No, never done, did that. But my my mom, my dad just thought that you know I had a problem with my nose, with mm-hmm. my nose vessel that I that popped because maybe I kept picking my nose or something. Yeah. I don't know. And I, I went with that story when my mom said that. I was like, yeah, that's exactly. What <laughs> <it was." laughs> Trust me. I had to pick those boogers out. Yeah. So, but eventually, you know, it, the doctor even. So this me. was was this during high school or? It was during high school. So how were you keeping up with school and all this stuff? Like how were you like? Dude, I wasn't. I was not keeping up with school. Oh, you just weren't going. Yeah. I was just going to school, but not attending class. Okay. Um, that was the other thing that affected me. Like I started skipping school so much, man. There's a, there's about a hundred, a hundred and thirty days of school in a year. Mm-hmm. It was a hundred thirty days. I was absent about a hundred and twelve. Yeah, and this is probably not uh, just you. This is probably you and a whole bunch of other kids. Uh, yeah, the whole, yeah. All I know is that I got into a lot of trouble. I ended up kick, getting kicked out from school. I got kicked out at one point because this is the topic we haven't touched yet is yeah. like the rumbles, the fights that we yeah. got into. You know, we got at one point in a huge rumble where uh, I literally got kicked out of school. Uh, all my friends got kicked out from school. At one point, we got kicked out of the district. Like, I couldn't go to any school in Toronto, yeah. or sorry, in, in Ontario for a few months. Um, so, yeah, and then I ended up going to behavior school, mm-hmm. you know, which helped a little bit. Not really, because everybody has a sense. Yeah, over there, yeah. <laughs> um, so these rumbles, like what, like, what was it? Race rumbles? or was Oh, it? yeah, it was, it was their gang gang wars man you know you're over what just a girl or what like turf turf or something happened maybe then you know one person said this and that all right bring your crew up mm-hmm. my crew and then you just go at it you know and i remember i'll never forget this we we had a huge fight in the school uh the school i went to was downsview secondary school by killing wilson and i remember we had this fight between the latinos and these asians mm-hmm so all I knew is that the Latinos were going to meet outside the school at a certain time, like after school at 3.15 or whatever it was, 3.30. Cool. And we're going to wait for these Asian guys to show up. There was a fence that divided the outer courts, I guess, of the school mm-hmm. and the school. And we'd always be at the outside of the school. So we're just waiting. They're chilling. There's a little park kind of thing. And um, we're like, yo, where are these guys? Next thing you know, I see these Asians coming, dragging. One guy was dragging a two-by-four. Mm-hmm. The other guy was, like, dragging a chain. Like, this other guy had, like, a, a crowbar, you know. Yeah. They, what didn't they have? And they, as the numbers start rolling in, bro, there must have been, like, 30, mm-hmm. 40 Asians. 
Vietnamese, maybe who knows what they yeah. were, and they they jumped over this fence, bro, like one shot. He's <laughs> <laughs> like pure, like yeah, like movies. Movie. Yeah, <laughs> they jumped over, and the one guy confronted the one Spanish guy that had the original problem, I guess, mm. and they went at it. And all it took was one Latino, of course, to like jump in and kick mm. someone, and another yeah. Asian guy, yeah. and all hell broke loose, man. It was just a whole so bunch of people just fighting, like the outsiders. 40 is 40, like, easily, yeah. bro. And we're going at it. We're jumping. I just see this one guy getting, a, you know, a two by four to the face, you know, yeah. knocked out. You know, I see this guy like getting. It's so, like you ever seen the Outsiders? Dude, that was one of my favorite books. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it's like, how did like? So you say you guys are just you guys are out here just rumbling like yeah, it's just like, rumble. And, okay, let's go. <laughs> everybody's just scrapping it out. Just scrapping it out. Oh, everybody against everybody. That's it, man. That and it was crazy. And I remember, you know, I was getting into a fight. I remember my brother was watching from the from the outlines. Yeah. And uh, I got kind of like stabbed in my back with, with a knife. And my brother's like, yo, you're bleeding from the back. And I was mm-hmm. like, what the heck? Like, you I didn't even know. Feel yeah. I didn't even notice. Um, one of, <laughs> there's like a, a little plaza that's close to the school. And the fight literally went from the school all the way to the plaza. Like, there's no, the co- nobody's seeing this? Like, yeah, people are seeing it. People are like taking pictures. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Back then, it wasn't enough <laughs> social media. You couldn't <laughs> record no, it. No, yeah. It's not like the cell phones. So yeah. It's like, <laughs> So, like, it's all over the street. We, we mm-hmm. took over a street, basically. And mm-hmm. I remember as we got closer to the plaza, tell me how these Asian guys were, like, on the roof waiting for us. More of them. More of them. They jumped out of the roof and just started being, like, rushing out. Yeah. More. There was, like, at least another 15 guys on top of this roof. Just, just waiting. Back up. Waiting. <laughs> I was like, yo, these guys are so organized. Yeah. Um, one of my friends at that time, I remember he jumped in his car. He, he was driving back then. He was older than me. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just grabbed this car, bro, and he just ran over like six different. Yeah. Things. Like if it was like, oh, it was a real yeah. Pins just falling all over. He just ran them over. He did not care. Yeah. Like, wow. <laughs> no love. Yeah. No sympathy for these people whatsoever. Yeah. I remember just grabbing my stuff and I left. Yeah, that was it. If cops you know, are coming, yeah, yeah. You start hearing the cop cars coming mm-hmm. around. It's like. It was getting very, very hectic. At that point was the time where I remember we were just talking about this before we came to the mm-hmm. studio. But uh, there was a detective that always used to come around, yeah. you know, and it was undercover, you know. Mm-hmm. But back then, dude, you knew who was undercover. Yeah. They were riding their Ford Temple, yeah. you know, Wrangler jeans, the little mm-hmm. boots on, <laughs> and their T-shirt tucked in yeah. <laughs> with their Ray-Bans on. Yeah. And this guy used to come every time, bro. He used to find me on the street, like right by my school. Mm-hmm. He'd grab me push me against the wall sometimes knee bash me yeah you know and hit me and it'd be like I know I know who you are he would mention my name mm-hmm. mention my my affiliations name, yeah. Your name. yeah tell me like you know we're gonna get your we're gonna get you red handed one of these mm-hmm. days I'm like but you never catch me with anything you know? yeah you don't see me doing anything wrong. yeah and he's like well it's coming to you it's mm-hmm. coming to you and he's like why don't you just tell us where the stash is or whatever yeah. And I never mentioned anything, obviously, but this was, it became repeated, almost like harassment. Like, yeah. every day, the guy would come, knee me to the stomach, mm-hmm. I'd go down, and then he's like, where's the stuff? Yeah. They would, like, search me, and I never had anything. Mm-hmm. Funny thing is, like, later on in life, when I started doing all these motivational speaks... You may, you see him around. I see him again. Yeah. He comes up to me, he had the audacity to shake my hand, and he was like, I knew you would come around. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here, man. <laughs> <laughs> You wanted um, to be in jail so bad. Um, so at that point, it was always fights. So when when did the gun violence start erupting in Toronto? Like, when do you feel you remember? Like, you started hearing, all right, pe- I, people I, are shooting. I owned a gun back in, like, 90... So it was, like, probably 96. What? Like, But everybody was fighting then. So when did you feel the need to... 
to like yeah, well actually that 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 fight with the Asian guys the fight actually stopped uh, when this Latin guy uh, he was one of the most respected guys pulled out his gun mm-hmm. shot in the air oh he wasn't even getting his hands dirty he was no. just he was just there honestly he was there and he was just watching letting everybody else fight and then all of a sudden this Asian guy confronted him and he's like you want like you know you yeah, want to yeah. fight and then so the guy pulls out his gun he shoots in the air and he's like okay everything's yeah. gonna stop yeah. so we all all of the Asians are like, oh, he's he's yeah, he's gotta get everybody me, yeah. ran away everybody mm-hmm. went their own way that's when the cops started showing up too and it was like okay that was the first time I witnessed a gun. gun, yeah. You know, and I was like, "Oh snap, this guy just." Yeah, yeah. That's, that's how you set the tone, right yeah, there. Yeah, that guy is like, okay. So that's when I was like, so that's where the respect's at. Is that yeah, the you, need the, you need the gun. But it took time for me to get to that. But mm-hmm. until then, we were still fighting with machetes, knives, baseball bats. So how you, how you guys are just walking down the street with machetes? How do you guys yeah, in I, your I, pants? I, I put my pants, and it, everybody looks like you got the swag on, but really yeah. you just got yeah. pants, bro. Um, and it was like, it's accessible. It was easy to find, easy to buy. You'd go mm-hmm. to a, like you know like a grocery store, butcher shop. Like no, not even. You go like a Canadian Tire kind of thing, like yeah. you know, like a little store where appliance and they sell those things for like you know going to the woods yeah and so we would just take it buy it it was like nine dollars ten dollars get the machete you're you're strapped strapped, (laughs) that was your strap um the fights with with machetes were the worst i mean i remember one guy getting sliced in his head like three times with a machete the guy just like went like pure tomahawk with the machete on the guy's head blood squirting everywhere you know uh, I remember this a friend of a really good friend of mine. He got sliced up like something like maybe I don't know how many times all over his body. And he got over two hundred and fifty stitches over his body. This is just over and turf. Yeah, this is over turf. When, when, you, when you say turf, you mean that basically like oh you can't sell over here or something like or what like yeah no just dominate the area. I just want to I just want to run over here. Yeah, just dominate the area mostly. So like you know areas like Jane and Finch, you know those areas especially Jane and Finch, um, Keel and Keel and Finch, Keel and Lawrence, mm-hmm. you know Dufferin and Lawrence, Dufferin yeah. and Finch, all that area there, Jane and Wilson, that whole square basically mm-hmm. is the area that we would always try to take over, or yeah. people would try to take over our section. Mm-hmm. So. so when you say to people, so people are just gonna come through and just alright, like hey, what's yeah. up? We're gonna just beat you guys yeah. up and. But then again, there was always like rivalries, like you know, always rivalries. Before you yeah, even before happened. those things yeah. happen, I remember one of my younger days you know I remember we went to this Latin um, um, event by Jenna Wilson and uh, I was there in the middle like it was late at night and I was repping with my with my friends from the gang mm-hmm. just chilling whatever and I was like 15 and I remember it was the first time I got sucker punched and knocked out bro yeah this was, you know this other gang shows up and there are rivalries and they start flashing their gang signs and we're flashing ours and like mm-hmm. what's up you know what's good you know mm-hmm. you want to settle this or settle it right now so sure enough we settled it some guy came behind me sucker punched me I fell on the ground I woke up minutes like t- probably 10 minutes later from a cop you know poking me yeah. into the time it's like yo are you kid you okay yeah. I woke up I see this guy obviously I'm scared I ran <laughs> fast but dizzy but I ran yeah you know I didn't want to get caught up being in trouble for something you know so but yeah I mean those rivalry fights Wonderland was another thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, that Wonderland, that, that that Wonderland was around, eh? Yeah, yeah Wonderland's been around for years. But, um, I mean, Latin Fests, mm-hmm. we used to go there and have fights, man, with Latin, with 
one gang with another gang. Mm-hmm. I remember one time we got a fight with the whole security team. <laughs> you know? And back then they didn't have the, um, the uh, what's it called? That system, the alarm system for the... Oh, uh, for, for, for metal detectors. For metal detectors, yeah. They didn't have that, so... You guys could have anything, yeah. yeah. Um, so, during all this time, did you lose any friends? Did you... Yeah, I had some friends that passed away, too. Yeah. Because of it, um, unfortunately. And then, just recently, too, like some people got deported. Some people are still in jail. Yeah. You know, unfortunately. You never went to jail, though. You didn't get caught up in the jail. I never... You know what? I, I went to jail for something totally different in those years after. But, okay. But, you know... Um, but yeah, no, at that time. That's, does that stuff still catch up to you? Like, well, like when people see you, the, do you still have to be a, like? They, they do you like your like? They don't like. I don't know how it is. See, that's what I'm saying. Because obviously Canada's different. Like you know, in American jail, when you think of gangs, when you're in the gang, like as soon as you get to jail, like you see that one guy, like all right, I know that we're in this together, and we have to. When you go to jail, like when you go to jail, is just like you're you're on your own, or is like. This is gangster. You're, you're, you're kind of on your own. It's not so much like the state. Yeah, you know where. But to a certain degree, it is where they try to keep it tight, especially if you somehow know each other. Mm-hmm. Um, when I, I went, I went to Lindsay Jail, which is one of the worst ones because it's right White by the penitentiary, yeah. right? So uh, all the bad guys go there. Um, yeah, but like, do you see Latin guys out there? Do you see? Well, that's what happened. Basically, it was the first time I went to jail, like an actual jail place, and. I remember um, I, you can't show fear either. I mm-hmm. know that for sure. Mm-hmm. So you just walk in and you go in and do your thing, right? But um, I remember that the first thing they do, you know, they, they make you the first person. It's your first time in your, or, you know, it's your first day. You become, you know, the bee of the, of the place. Yeah, they, yeah. They, everybody that takes advantage of yeah. you. You got to do mail runs. You got to do mm-hmm. this. You got to do that. And it wasn't until I met, the day after I met the, the Spanish guy that was there in the, in the same cell block, and he's like, yo, so where are you from? And I started talking to him, and then I told him that, you know, he's like asking questions like who I knew, and I mm-hmm. came in, and found out that his best friend in jail years prior mm-hmm. was one of my best friends. Yeah. And I didn't know that he was in that cell block for like the longest time. Yeah, yeah, so, so he has that respect there. He had the seniority yeah. in yeah. that place. So he's like, okay, stop being, like stop doing mm-hmm. what you're doing. Yeah. You're under my wing, I'll take care of you. Mm-hmm. I was like, sick. So yeah, I had it fortunate that yeah, it was you know, blessed. Yeah, I was blessed in that sense that he took me under his wing and mm-hmm. he just like you know took care of me a lot, you know. And I learned so much while I was in there. Yeah, yeah. You, I don't think you get treated or mistreated as much as they do in in the states, like in Cali, yeah. or like, you know, places like that. But um, obviously, jail is jail. Nobody wants to be there. Mm-hmm. But you definitely do learn. You do learn a lot more in, in there than you do outside. As far as like CEOs, or, or as far as just being smarter and just wise. Street smarts. Mm-hmm. Street smarts. You learn so much, man. And it's just like, because everybody comes with all their ideas from outside and mm-hmm. you bring it into place and it just becomes cool. Yeah. You just, School of hard knocks. Yeah, it really does. You start, I learned so much in there that I probably could have learned maybe in within a year or two years in the street. Yeah. Exactly, putting on the, okay, I get what you're saying. Everybody's bringing their knowledge to the table, what they yeah. would do, yeah. And you can just take whatever, the good, the bad, yeah, and apply exactly. it, yeah. And then apply it to your daily life if you're going to continue. Obviously, I wasn't, but yeah. I, mean, I, I still learned. I was yeah. like, wow, that's unbelievable. So, But it was a turn turnaround point for me back then, too, like, you know, my life, so. Yeah, so, like, what was the point where you're like, all right, man, like. Well, I settled down. When I was 19, I had, had been married. I had my son already at 19, and, um. 
you were married. I was married. Yeah, I got married did, very young. Yeah, like like how what, <laughs> what, <laughs> what was going through your mind? You just well, married. Unfortunately, night. like you know, uh, she got pregnant. Well, I I did love her. You're an old then. school guy. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I did love her. We met, and uh, at that time, um, we were young though. Unfortunately, you know, you just make bad decisions, and mm-hmm. uh, she ended up getting pregnant. And I honestly manned up to it, and I thought that maybe the best thing to do was to get married, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, which, to be honest with you, probably wasn't the best idea. Yeah. I, like, I didn't have a job, <laughs> yeah. you know. So it was like, and I never knew what it was to be responsible because I always just you know hustled in the yeah. street. She was very naive too because she was fresh to the country, mm-hmm. so she didn't really see my how it was. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, the only thing she did see is that I was a son of a pastor. My dad's. A oh, pastor. your dad. Oh, wow. Yeah, and you're hey, doing all I this while a, your dad's a pastor. I was a, I was a black sheep of the family. Yeah, you know. So she knew that much. You know, what she was getting she knew, into. Yeah, she knew somewhat, but she didn't know that much. I mean, she didn't mm-hmm. know everything. Um, I remember one time, like we were just living together when we were married, and she was, you know, we need more. We need milk. You know. Mm-hmm. And we had no money. And so I was like, okay, I'll be back. Yeah. I would go do a run quick, yeah. make some money, buy the buy mm-hmm. the, the, the milk. Yeah. And she never questioned, where did you get it from? Yeah. She just, okay. Had to hug that. Yeah, she knew. But she just, right. I don't think she knew at that moment, but um, eventually I think it caught on, you know, that I hustled a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, then eventually I had my daughter too, and... We were still living in those areas, and we're like, you know what? We, it's best we get out. Mm-hmm. You know, we moved further, further north towards like Woodbridge, Vaughn area. Yeah. Try to get out of the scene. I never want my kids to grow up in that area, in that mm-hmm. hood, especially the same thing that I lived. Mm-hmm. And so I tried to do the best for my kids. Yeah. Uh, in my own will and my own strength, and you know, I think to a certain degree it did help. Yeah. You know, uh, taking them out of that that area. But, you know, me and, and my ex-wife back then, we were still kind of dealing, I think, with our own problem, our own issues. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we were only 19 when we got married, so as you grow older, you grow differently, too. Yeah. You know, so there was a lot of, like, differences between us now. You know, yeah, yeah. by the time we're 25, we're You realize like, two different people, yeah. Two completely different people, and we're like, okay, this is not the person I fell in love with, mm-hmm. and vice versa. And so there was issues that were... and. and um, complications in our relationship already and unfortunately the kids suffered that too yeah. you know they see it they see mom and dad like oh, fighting yeah. arguing and, and I didn't want that either um, so you know and, and we would party too we'd do like house parties and we'd party hard but people knew us for our house parties Yeah. people would come around you know one time I remember for my birthday we did a house party and dude we had no more room for beer cases like there was just too many yeah put it this way like when I returned all the beer cases the next, the next two days after because I couldn't go the, ne- the next day because I was too hungover but two days later I returned all the, the beer cases and mm-hmm. I probably made about 70 or 80 dollars worth in just bottles yeah. Yeah, a lot. it was lit <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely so I mean our parties were wild the kids got to go in that environment they saw it um, and honestly I I our relationship as as a, as a married couple just kind of like grew apart. Yeah. We had to like go our own ways, our separate mm-hmm. ways, and I think it was healthier for the kids to for that to happen. No, of course, no kid wants to see that. Yeah. But it's, it wasn't healthy either to see you know mom and dad argue a lot. And so we had to do our, our thing. So we, we went our ways, and uh, I I was still depressed. I was depressed that you know that 
the decision that we had to make. Um, there was a time where I kind of fell into the whole club scene, and I was like, mm-hmm. I was um, promoting clubs, uh, events, and mm-hmm. uh, I got really into that lifestyle. Yeah, you know, and uh, and the same thing, bro. It was like bottles after bottles, like yeah. drinking and partying, like day after night, bro. I was, I think, in the club more than I, I was in my own place. Yeah. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I think. Every night. Um, so. so looking at your life full circle, everything comes like all the gang life, um, moving, Ecuador, everything, like having a baby, marrying. Like, do you feel that, like all the things, like basically like you having your kids young and you getting inside to get married, do you feel like... All the stuff you you been through just made you like a nurturer. You just want to protect your family. You felt like having getting married was like, all right, I need to be a dad. I need to be there for my kids. Like that was the main thing. That's what you just felt like that was the right thing to do. At that moment, at that moment, yeah. Because right now you told me you're engaged. Now, yeah, you know what I mean, so right now you feel it's right. Like, yeah, I mean, it feels like this is how it's supposed to be. <laughs> you're older, like you know, with a career yeah. and you know, kind of stable in life and. You have your responsibilities, and and then you're supposed mm-hmm. to be engaged and yeah. provide for for a family. So, you know, it yeah, it was two different lifestyles, you know, completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was a, a breaking point. There was a, a moment where my life changed completely. Um, I think, like I told you before, like it was I'm son of a pastor, and so yeah, I grew up in church. I mm-hmm. uh, I knew church. I knew everything about God. Yeah, you know the whole preaching about oh you better have your life right with God yeah. or else you're not gonna go to heaven kind yeah. of thing or you're gonna burn it out. Mm-hmm. I got those lectures all yeah. my life, you know, but um, and I could preach it to you at that time yeah. because I knew it so well. Exactly, you know. The, but the, the, the devil did also. Yeah, you know what I mean. So the the fact is. Um, it's not until you actually have a true relationship, you know, with God himself mm-hmm. that can possibly, not possibly, I take that away, that will definitely change your life, mm-hmm. you know? And so one day, I remember I was I was sleeping, um, and that time, my fiancé now was my girlfriend mm-hmm. back then when I was still in the club scenes and all that kind of stuff. And I remember one day I was just sleeping, and as unreal as it may sound, I remember hearing my name as a mm-hmm. whisper you know, in the middle of my sleep. And it's almost like you knew that it was, like, coming from well, something place, yeah. unknown. Mm-hmm. But not in a scary way, but more like, this is God calling you. What are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. And I remember having that moment, and I grabbed my blanket, put it over my head. I'm like, I'm not ready for this. I'm not. I don't, yeah. don't change my life right now. I'm fine where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And uh, the next day, my friend that I haven't seen for a while, Invited me to his church, mm-hmm. so I was I haven't gone to church in so long, and I was like in years probably. And I was like, you know what? Fine, let's go. Decided to go to church, and uh, I met this guy. Uh, his name is Daniel. And he's one of the elders from the church, but for the youth, like he's a young guy. Mm-hmm. He's probably twenty. I think he's twenty-seven, twenty-eight. Um, and he started talking to me. He doesn't know me. Mm-hmm. I don't know him. Man, he started talking to me, telling me, you know that. You know, there's something better for you. God has a calling for you over your life. And, you know, there's things that you need to do and accomplish. And he starts naming things that was already happening in my life. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how did this guy know? You know, it doesn't make yeah. sense. And so one of the things he said, though, was, you know, I think you need to leave your environment 
in order to have a change. And he goes, and I think your mom and dad will help you. And I don't know where they are right now, mm -hmm. but I have you know, feeling they're not that, around that this. They're not around, and they're the ones that are going to help you mm -hmm. shape to the person you need to be. He didn't know that my parents lived in, in the States, in Kentucky. Yeah. And, and the funny thing was, in my head, I'm playing this a speech where my dad would always say, you know, once you get married, man, you got your life on your own. You're growing mm -hmm. up. You figure your own life kind of thing. Yeah. You know? And so for my dad to say, yeah, come to Kentucky, live mm -hmm. with us for a little bit and change. Yeah. yeah, that would take a miracle. So I remember coming home that night and I said, God, if this was really you talking to my life and you really want me to go to Kentucky and live there for a bit, send me a sign. You know, yeah. send me, talk to my dad and have him invite me over. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I know for a fact it's not going to be. Literally, a day later, my dad calls me. He's like, hey, son, how you doing? I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing so well. I also got laid off with work mm -hmm. and whatever. And he's like, well, I go, I got this job, but it requires some money to, for me to buy a uniform and stuff like that. And he's like, well, I'm going to send you some money. And then you're going to have two options. You can either buy the stuff you need for work or two, you can use it to buy your ticket to come to Kentucky and stay mm -hmm. here with us for a while if you need to. I'm like, okay, God, I take yeah. it. Back. <laughs> I, I, see how, I see how you do it. Yeah. I I left. I went over there, man, and uh, it was a, a process. It wasn't something that, you know, changed all of a sudden, but it was just a, a, a process that I had to do and uh, walk away from my whole environment, my friendships, everything, even my the girl that I loved back then, but mm -hmm. we were kind of broken off, you know, which was my fiancé now. We broke off for that whole time that I was there and leave my family behind, too. I left my son, my daughter, you know, to try to make this change happen for real. It wasn't until like a few months after I was there that I was in my bedroom and I decided to have a, an, a prayer with God and an intimate moment where I could honestly say, you know what, Jesus, I really need you. I really need you to fix my life around. Mm -hmm. I'm tired of being who I am. I feel like crap. I have no self-esteem. I have like, there's so many factors mm -hmm. that in my life. And dude, I broke down. I was crying. And at that moment, I just felt something come over my life. And I, I can't explain it because everybody that tells you this feeling, yeah. they always they always say the same thing. It's hard to explain. Mm -hmm. It's just an overwhelmed feeling of love and joy and peace in your heart, and it just that was the moment that just broke everything. My life, I declared from that moment was, and I was a new person. Yeah, that David that everybody knew back then was completely gone, wiped away. Like he took it away from me, and it was a process of becoming a new David a new man mm -hmm. in the way God wants me to see, wants to see me and in, in, in his calling and his purpose and, and so you, my life turned from that point bro and you see that you see you see what he's doing in your life you know what I mean like you're managing two restaurants right now um you're about to get married you know what I mean yeah. so things coming around for you you know what I mean yeah. so um, I'm also like I started you know learning. I'm in Bible college as well so I'm learning more about God and the word and my ministry's ministry started growing I and I truly believe that I, I inherited my dad's heart which is a pastor's heart yeah and I started ministering out preaching to different churches different places and I've been able to give my testimony as well and my my story and how God's changed my life and you know I've witnessed people you know young people being saved and coming to God and it's an amazing feeling that and I and I can't wait to see what else God has for me mm -hmm. you know from today on forward. yeah it's honestly it's an amazing feeling nah man um god is good man god is god is there for everybody everybody listening um you can find you can find salvation in god you know what i mean we're not going to press this push this on you everybody has their own beliefs but 
Um, you know what I mean? Like this this man's story right here, he's he's come through so much trials and tribulations and you know, for him to turn around and make his life um something that his children could look up to and be all right and be like, yo, my dad's responsible, my dad is different. He's not the same person he once was and it just shows you that, you know what I mean, you can make a change and you can always be different. You can always keep pushing forward and the joy you know what I mean, the pain doesn't last. There's always gonna be a day of joy, you know what I mean? So Definitely. I mean there's the one number one question I always had was, you know, God, why did I go through all of this? Mm-hmm. Why am Why do I went through so much suffering, so much pain? I'm pretty sure there's listen, people that are listening to this podcast that can relate to my story. Yeah, you know, and they don't, and they're having the same question: Why am I going through so much? And and it doesn't end. Yeah. You know? But I believe that God has put me through all these trials to shape me up and build character. Not only that, but to help others that are going through the same thing. Yeah, you never know, you know what, what people, you're going to do. Your story is going to affect different lives, you know. Yeah. You never know. Some, like, you know, I was saying that, you know, God gives the hardest test to the yeah, best soldiers, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And I, I truly believe that. I believe that, you know, I, I've been able to endure this much and I'm still enduring much. You know, there's still mm-hmm. more that is being attacked yeah. at me. and. It's only with, honestly, with his love and grace that I'm able to stand up and just face them, you know. I believe that every challenge is an opportunity to grow spiritually uh-huh. or just as a man or as a person, as a woman. So you just take him on. You can't run away from it. You can't, man. Um, it's to Real the Podcast. David, thank you for coming through. Um, you guys can email David anything. Find his story. If you guys, David Carrillo, yeah, just type him in on is, Google. Uh, email is dn. Carrillo, C-A-R-R-I-L-L-O at yahoo.ca. Um, thanks for coming, man, David. God bless you guys, everybody. Thanks for listening. Oh, thank you, guys.